Here they come! Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and today I'm joined by Ian Marchant to discuss the special effects of IT, the terror from beyond space. Yellow alert. Energized defense fields. Hello Ian. Hello Eric. Hello, right Ian. On this show, this is the first time that uh, you and I have talked B movie. Yeah, we've. Uh, I think we've lucked out on some good stuff that we've been talking about, good films. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, this is our first bona fide B movie. Yeah. So with this one, it the terror from beyond space. Um, how how do you know this? How far do you and the film go back? Um, <clears throat> it's one of those weird ones. So my first. Uh, sort of knowledge about this film would have been through magazines and books where it was everyone used to say oh alien was based on a film called it the terror from beyond space and you used to see photos of the uh the ray crash corrigan wearing a suit used to be in all the magazines but it was never a film that i can remember being on television um, certainly if it was i didn't catch it so my first actual viewing i bought a pirated VHS tape from Watford Film Fair with it on um, and it wasn't the greatest quality in the world um, and it, I'm trying to think it must have been like early 80s so it was quite quite late to this one um, and I was I remember feeling when I first watched it I felt let down because I was expecting Alien with a lower budget right which you it's a very complex film in in its relationship with Alien, I think. And it's a complex film in that that I, I I like it as a film, but I always remember how boring it is. Mm. I always struggle to stay awake watching it. So I watched... I mean, I, I finally got on Blu-ray now, a much better print. And uh, I've watched it a few times. And I, I watched it again for this, uh, uh, this podcast. And again, <laughs> about halfway through... I Bored. started falling asleep. Mm. You know, I tell you it's... what, I mean, it, it's interesting you say that because, you know, watching it, it does seem too long. And something, yeah. I was going to mention this while we're talking about it, but something that occurred to me, it's almost like an episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Do, do you know what? I shall go to my notes that I wrote, and on page three, I've got like an episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. <laughs> It is. It's like a, a, yeah. a an episode of Voice One that's too long. If it had yeah. been an hour long, I mean, it's not much yeah. more than an hour. It's only about an hour and ten or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no. It, it uh, to me, it's more Voice of the Sea than Alien. But we'll talk about that yeah. in uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, um, it's um. There's not much story to it, is there? Once it no. sets up the premise, that's it. Doesn't really go anywhere. No, no. My my history with this goes back to when I was about eight. Oh, wow. And, yeah, when I was about eight, I used to go to the library a lot. And there was one book which was like, you know, 
that I, I, I took out all the time. And it was, yeah. uh, it, it, it was a book all about science fiction films and uh, black and white photos. And there was a photo of it. I, I, it's that classic shot of it standing in the doorway and it's got its claw coming yeah. round the door and it's, you know, very moody. And I was fascinated by that photo and I was fascinated by that book. As I say, I, I used to get it out all the time. That book, I think, is responsible in my formative years of developing a fondness for science fiction films and especially B-movie era science fiction films. And I can remember in the 80s when I was a, a, a grown-up, going back, and it was still there, this, this one from like <laughs> 10 years ago, this book was still I, there. Do you know what? And, I, prob I probably had the same book. You know, there wasn't many about at that point, but that, yeah, there was a certain set number of books that yeah. were our Bibles for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, in, in the mid-70s onwards, you had, you, you had the big you know, A4 hardback ones, you know, the guide yeah. to the horror films and the science fiction films and all those by Dennis Gifford and Alan Frank yeah. and all that. But this, was, this predated that. This was about from about 1970, okay? And... I can remember in the 80s going back and it was still there and I can remember saying to the librarian could you sell me a book can I buy this book and she's like nope 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 and uh, I went back a couple of years later and it had gone and yeah. I said to the librarian is does this book still exist and you know this is pre-digital age so she looks through those that little drawer of yeah. the green library cards you know and she went oh no no that was that's been thrown away you know and I was gut I was gutted yeah. by that and and for a long time that was like my holy grail to find this book you know that i i loved so much when i when i was little and never ever found it and then i can't remember it was sometime in the mid 90s i realized that there, there i don't know if it still got it but amazon had a uh oh, it must if it was amazon it must have been late it must have been about the 2000s or something yeah. like that amazon had a function where you could search for something like something so uh, yeah. it was like it was like a google thing and i put in um science fiction book 1970s right and looked and looked and suddenly it was there and as soon as i saw that because i couldn't remember what the book name of the book was at all as soon as i saw it it was there you know and it was a hallelujah moment and it was by dennis gifford you know <laughs> who, who i already had a lot of his books but in 1969 yeah. 1970 he wrote this this book and i bought it dead cheap it's called science fiction films right just science fiction films and, title. yeah and it's a tiny little book it, it, it is tiny it's like a5 um it, it's just like a tall slim paperback book right. and and i bought it real cheap now is this one of the books that you've got um i i had a i had a hardback from dennis gifford uh sci-fi films now i so whether they did different versions of it um, or whether it was like a cut-down version. Uh, I don't have them anymore, unfortunately, because when one of the many house moves, I decided to get rid of all my um, 1970s sci-fi film books. So they all went. They all went to a skip. Uh, all right. I'll tell you what. Later on, yeah. I'll take a photo and I'll yeah, email I'd like you to the photo. To, and to see whether that, it is the one. Yeah. And all my other Dennis Gifford books, and you can tell me yeah. which ones you did and didn't have but it was great getting that book back um and and i cherish it now because as soon as i turn the pages you know i'm eight yeah. years old again you know <laughs> and uh, they yeah. are books are time machines aren't they They're, absolutely it that, really uh, is. it's funny you should say that time machine the morlocks from the time machine was in there you yeah. know the martians from george powell's war of the worlds was in there all these classic you know 50s movies were in there but anyway that's how i knew 
of the film. I didn't yeah. see the film. Like you, I didn't see it until the 80s. And I think Channel mm. 4 put it on. Sometime in the mid to late 80s, Channel 4 had it on. I think they had a sci-fi season. I think, yeah, I think uh, anyone not from the UK, <clears throat> especially like uh, anyone listening from America, um, I think our our sort of sci-fi lives and American sci-fi lives were very different in that we we only had four television channels. So the only time you ever saw sci-fi films, B-movies, that sort of thing, was when BBC Two would have a sci-fi season or occasionally, like you say, Channel 4 or like the um, you had the, the Michael Medved um, Golden Turkey Awards. Mm. Channel 4 did a little season of that. But most of these most of these classic films we only knew from books mm. we didn't actually watch we didn't see the film you did you know you couldn't go anywhere to see these films and so a lot of a lot of our memories are of the books the story and yeah. so you tend to build them up to be much better than they ever turn out to be <laughs> yeah. and i think that is a case with this film here isn't it yeah definitely yeah it's i'm not it, I don't want to say it's a bad film. I mean, it is a bad film, but I don't want to say it's a bad film. It's It has its moments, but it's very much a, a pot-boiler-style... There's not a lot to it, and it's not particularly well done. No, no. All right, well, let's get into it. Let, let, let's stop yeah. for a clip, and then we'll get into it, okay? Nice one. Carruthers? Carruthers? What are you thinking about? Those nine bodies you left down there? Yes. But I didn't kill them. Still sticking to your story about the mysterious creatures. Do you expect a court-martial to believe it? That's all I can tell them. I wish we could have stayed in search for the bodies. However, there's still enough evidence to put you in front of a firing squad. You honestly believe I'd murder nine of my closest friends in order to survive on Mars? Isn't it logical, Colonel? The challenge 141 cracks up and landing. You know you're marooned indefinitely on Mars until another ship is sent. If another ship is sent. You know the food and supplies aboard would last the entire crew only a year. But they'd last you 10 years. The others were dead. The very first thing we see is a crashed spaceship on a starlit planet Vista. I, now, I, I, I don't like to beg to differ this early in a show, but what we see is a bad painting of a, of a superimposed crashed model spaceship. See, I don't, I, I, I don't I think it's very convincing. It. I, don't, I don't know what's going on here, because as it's black and white, yeah. it's difficult, because some of it looks like a painting... Yeah, but but I mean we'll find out in a minute that it, it's not just a painting because before you can it properly moves, look yeah. at this crash spaceship, you get the uh, you get the titles come up, don't you? Yeah. Now on my Blu-ray copy, uh, I can't remember what the original titles were. On my Blu-ray copy, the titles feel like they they don't feel period. They they look like they've been changed. So I I don't know whether this is the the way the titles come up and it it doesn't feel like a 1950s film would put the titles on there so they may well have been changed on my copy well i've got the blu-ray as well yeah. but what i thought when the big 
it comes up is yeah. it almost looks like it's meant to be in 3D. The way it presents itself like that is almost as if it's a 3D title. Yeah, possibly, possibly. I mean, it would have been this would have been a 3D film of lots of exciting scenes of people walking up and down stairs. Yes. <laughs> it would have been a very strange 3D film. Um yeah, it I don't I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. It might be. It might be that that do you know what I mean by the, if you watch on the Blu-ray where the the credits they look like TV credits almost. They do. They I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is this is low budget filmmaking. Um, it only took six days to film. Wow. Um, so it it was on the rush. So it could be that it was just you know oh that will do move on. What have we got to do yeah. next? But when that title pops up, the music starts, which I thought, oh, hang on, they're ripping off Creature from the Black Lagoon. It sounds very Creature from the twitches? Black Lagoon. I did have twitches a bit, but apparently it's recycled uh, music from Kronos, um, oh, right. which is a film I've not seen, and it's just got a change to the opening bars. Weird as well. I don't know where... I mean, you might know in your um, behind-the-scenes. Was it ever going to be called something with death in the title? It because, was. Was yes, it? Because uh, he said the voiceover at the moment, it's like the voiceover doesn't match. It's like... We came to know Mars as death, and then it comes up from it, the terror from beyond. I thought that almost feels like each, the word death should be somewhere in that title. Yeah, yeah. now I don't know. I'm, 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 I can't off the top of my head think where this fits in with other fifties, you know, science fiction and horror yeah. films, where it conquered the world sits alongside this because yeah. you, you you did have a few films with it at the start, so maybe they changed it. Just to make it automatically was, slot what in. What year was this? What year? I should have. I mean, uh, 1958. Case, 58. So it's after. It's after the thing. So I wonder if it's uh, like a. They obviously thought the thing. That's quite. You know, that was successful. Obviously, it wasn't successful because it was a really well-made film. It was successful because it had a title with the thing in it. Yes. What's close to the thing? It. It. <laughs> That'll do. I, I also. Love the- Go yeah, on. I was going to say, where's where's beyond space? That's exactly what I was about to say. Where yeah. is I, I've I've got on my notes. What does from beyond space mean? It, it yeah, it should be it the terror from beyond that space. bit of space between us and Mars. Beyond space. I mean, if you go through space and you get beyond space, you get to a planet, yeah. don't you? Well, so, but there's space beyond that planet, isn't there? There is. I suppose it comes down to a, a philosophical discussion of whether the universe is infinite or not. Yeah, where do we all come from? Yeah, which is unusual for a film uh, that has a, a lumbering fat man in a latex suit. <laughs> but lofty ambitions. Yeah. But anyway, after the titles... Uh, uh, We're still on the titles. Yes. Ah, <laughs> this, I'm falling asleep now. Yeah, sorry about this. Yeah, <laughs> six minutes in and we're only into the titles. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's hard to gauge what's going on there. We've... we've yeah. With that, I thought it was a painting of a crashed spaceship with a uh, painting of, of, yeah. of the planet and the plane of the stars. But the camera moves to the right where you well, get another spaceship there. Yeah, I think it's um, it's paintings obviously cut out and then – so it's flat because they look flat. They've got no dimension to them. No. They look flat. So I think it's paintings but on a model scape because the ships are obviously models. Yes. I mean, the, the crash ship, uh, Challenge 141, 
that was the name of it. I wrote that down. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and then the, the new ship that comes to rescue it is Challenge 142. So I want to know what happened to Challenges 1 to 140. <laughs> interesting. I might have interesting stories. But yeah, that crashed spaceship looks awful. It looks like a squeezy bottle that's been melted. But that, as the camera pans, you can see that that's three-dimensional. Yes, that's what I but mean. As as the camera pans, you can see that the, the backdrop and the, the rocks at the front aren't. So it, mm. it's weird. It's very strange. It is a mixture, isn't it? You've got a tabletop miniature spacecrafts yeah. augmented <laughs> by a painted backdrop with what looks like other painted areas as well. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that they, they obviously anticipated Mars was going to look like the moon, even though they didn't know what the moon looked like at that point. Mm, mm. It doesn't look very Mars-like, does it, in the painting? <laughs> It, it is very strange. I mean, this is yeah. our third visit to Mars. Uh, the is first it? visit on this show was George Powell's War of the Worlds. Yeah. Um, we've had Robinson Crusoe on Mars, and now we get Mars in this one, which could be the moon. Yes. Also, technically in War of the Worlds, didn't they visit us? That's true. Uh, but yeah. you do see Mars this at is, the very beginning when you true. see all in the paintings. Lovely, in the, uh, yeah, in that lovely Bonner painting, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right, they couldn't so, afford him for this, I bet. <laughs> they couldn't afford much for this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we get the second ro- rocket. It's the rescue rocket, the classic yep. 50s rocket design. Yep, v- V2 with a bit things stuck on it. And windows, yeah. Yes, I'll go have windows. Yeah, and we get a solemn voiceover, which is ripe for a spoof. Yes, it's very strange. The voiceover, isn't it? It's mm. it, it, it. You didn't get. I don't remember a lot of nineteen fifties B movies having such uh, such voiceovers as this. Well, back to War of the Worlds, you did. You had Sir Cedric yeah. Hardwick at the beginning of George Powell's thing, just saying about you know the setup. Yeah, which that, is that, a completely different class to this. <laughs> yeah, but it's also you. You had a lot of films where it was a, a an off-screen narrator telling you. The year is 2020 yes, or whatever. Yeah. This is a character yes. in the film. Our main narrating, character. Yeah, our main character um, narrating what's happening. Who's he yeah. telling? <laughs> because, he, yeah, he, he is telling it in real time, yeah. Yeah. isn't he? This is the only time you have the narration. He's talking. He's on the planet Mars. You know, he's Edward Carruthers apparently the first man to go into space he was yes yes and he's the sole survivor of a failed martian expedition that crashed six months before and the rest of the crew were killed by some unseen enemy well or did he kill them or did he kill them yeah Um, we spent an interminable amount of time on that yeah he's going to be he's he's going back to be court-martialed for their yes. murder, isn't he? You know, I should point out this is all happening in the far-off futuristic 1973. Yeah, t- t- I, I was interested in this because obviously the TV show Life on Mars is set in 1973. So I'm presuming, I mean, I should have looked this up, but as I said before, I'm a very lazy man. Um, what year did David Bowie's Life on Mars come out? That was... Was that 73? That was about that time as well, yeah. yeah. So did he base Life on Mars on, on this film's version of the future? I don't know. I hope not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's going to be—he's going back to be court-martialed. Um, yes. And and then we cut back to Earth. The press are told about it. Oh, that's hilarious! I it, it's hilarious. Out loud at that. It's hilarious now. I think if we had watched this before 
yeah. airplane came along, naked gun <laughs> came yeah. along, police squad came along. The, yeah. the frantic rush of the press all to go through that door to get to the telephones to, you know, it's get the brilliant. story to their editors. But now you just burst out laughing because we've seen it spoofed so much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. All right, so back to a close-up of the ship. And, and now we're inside. The commander says that the emergency airlock in C compartment is still open. All right. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and Calder owns up saying that he was dumping empty crates yeah. overboard. You Dude, know? It, he's, he's, a, he's a fly tipper. Uh, yeah. This this is this our, is, these are our heroes, folks. This is very much like at the Angry Red Planet where you've got such disregard for the new frontier. I mean, in that film, they've yeah. got this, this gun and they do target practice on the Martian fauna. You know, here, yeah. they're about to take off. Let's just dump our crates dump overboard. Our rubbish, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're tootling about in, on a jeep in, up there. Yeah. We don't see that, but they do mention it. So they're, they're polluting the atmosphere, dumping rubbish willy-nilly. It's yeah. no wonder the creature went mad. And, you know, um, you know, from what we'll see with the crew later on in the film, you know, they smoke like chimneys. So presumably they've left cigarette butts absolutely all over yeah. the Martian I, landscape. I do like that they've actually got a cupboard just for keeping the cigarette <laughs> was packets say, in. And how many packets are in that cupboard? Good Lord. I know. Talk about priorities. <laughs> you know, one of those other cupboards is full of booze. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we see a shadow in C compartment and big yeah. feet, don't we? Yeah, big feet that walk with pigeon toes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hilarious walk, this well, creature's he, got. Do, he doesn't walk. He kind of, like, shuffles because he yeah. can't walk in the suit. He can't walk properly. He can't see out the suit because constant shots of him are just in the mask. But, yeah, so... it. Who watched the dailies? I, you say, I mean, it, now that you say they only filmed it in six days, it sort of makes sense. But who watched the dailies and went, yeah, that's the, that's the best cut of that. that that'll do. <laughs> that is a scary thing, that everything we're going to see is the best take yeah, on, oh God. on everything. Yeah. yeah. All right. All the crew, they check in, and, and we get a good look at them and find out their names. And boy, don't they look middle-aged. They're, yeah, they're, they're not a young crew. They are not. Um, they're also... I, I, I love it that they've supplied everyone with their own microphones that they can check in, <laughs> which is because we never see those microphones again. Everyone uses a comm panel on the wall. Um, and it, yeah, it's so introduce yourself, isn't it? It's yeah. Yeah. It, it's like it's very, very uh, economical storytelling. Yeah. And very few of these people, when we see them, very, few, very, very, very few of them actually look or act like true scientists. Well, this this is the 1950s, isn't it? So, whenever you see these, it's like Forbidden Planet. Mm. Most most of the crew, they're they're sailors in space. Yes, <laughs> you know. I mean, we, so so this this motley crew we've got on here, we've got uh, two presumably scientist women that just make the food and tidy up after the men. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally stick a plaster on someone although the the scientist the, the older scientist lady does do an autopsy off screen yes. um, then you've got like two uh, American Italian Brothers. which I, I, I worried that they were going to be the comic relief Mm -hmm. which at least they're sort of not. Yeah, two brothers who act... I mean, they do things so stupid in this film. Yeah. Like, they, they've not been through NASA training, have they? <laughs> I, they they crewed this ship by putting an advert in a paper. Yeah. 
Do you fancy or it's conscription? Yeah, it could be. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. I suppose we would have probably would have been on the tail end of conscription. Yeah, this could be this. Yeah, they're not yeah. so much the right stuff as they fitted the uniforms, isn't it? That's <laughs> which is more than what that, our yeah. uh, monster did. That's true. Yeah, he definitely doesn't fit his uniform. I, yeah. I do like it that the lead character, and I, I use the word sort of advisedly, the lead characters, they get quite nicely made. Um, bespoke jumpsuits yes whereas all the secondary characters get off the shelf ones with a bit of trim stuck on <laughs> all right well the ship takes off with what looks like fireworks coming out of its yeah, backside yeah, sparkler powered yeah yeah and what i love about 50s science fiction films is in so many of films of this time whenever we see the ship traveling through space it travels vertically from the bottom of the screen to the top yeah because space has got an up and a down this is true. Yeah, um, yeah I did. I, I was quite glad they didn't use V uh, V two stock footage of it taken off. I give them points yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the budget stretched to some fireworks. Yeah. definitely. Yeah. And I, I what, what I also like in films of this time is whenever you see a space uh, ship going through space, you have space music. Yes. Yeah, you got you got to have something to keep the interest. I didn't notice the stars visible through the ship, so I'm you presuming do in some actually, places. So yeah, no, 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 no. yes, you can that. in some places. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I was wondering uh, if they perhaps just did it such low budget that it wasn't even a, a, a optical shot, whether they just like moved lifted a, it up past yeah, a, a back yeah, cloth, some twinkly of, lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You can in a couple of places. Um, nobody on on board believes Carruthers. Now, Carruthers. Every time I watch this film, I, I I think I know you. I know you from somewhere. But it wasn't until I started looking into it for this uh, episode that I realised he's Marshall Thompson, who I know from the TV series Dactari. Yes. Yeah, with uh, Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion. That's right, yeah, which yeah. is one of those shows I never, ever, ever think about. But I know I watched it, but yeah, I'm true, never yeah. reminded of yeah. it, you know? I had, I had a, a Daktari annual. I think I still got that somewhere. I chucked all my like, good sci-fi books. I kept the Daktari <laughs> annual. What the hell is going on there? What were you doing? Um, yeah. I don't know. I did uh, I did like that the ship is is like the Batcave from the 60s. Bat Everything's got a label on it, hasn't it? Yeah, this is it's, very true. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Presumably because the crew aren't trained astronauts, so you have to label yeah. <laughs> all the control, all the cooker controls. Lots and yeah. lots of cooker dials on in yeah. this ship. I also love on this ship that nothing is strapped down. Everything is just no. you know stacked. You know, it is just for horror, uh, vertical lift off. Because they they show the they show the 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 storage areas, and it's just barrels piled yeah. up, but not even sensibly, not even against the wall. No, but I like the multi-layered, uh, the, the multi-leveled yeah. uh, um, aspect to the ship with a central uh, staircase which goes down with yeah. a hatch sealing off each level. I do. I I was watching it and I I thought they've obviously only got one level and they obviously redress the set. Yeah. And then you notice in lots of shots there's strategically placed things in front of the hatch, and I was thinking, no, what? what? There's got to be a reason for this. And then later on, they show the creature breaking through the hatch. And from that point on, any shot of that floor has got... So these obviously must be like pickup shots or they did it out of order. So they put these things there to cover the fact that the hatch is obviously already beaten to death by the monster. Um, so, yeah, so it must have been filmed well out of order. Yeah, it's, it, 
I love it. I love it. Um, they, every, all the rest of the crew think that he killed his teammates so that he'd have enough food to last until the rescue ship came. Yeah, which they, the, the, the film suffers from the, the lead, not the lead character, but the leader of this rescue ship, the captain of this rescue ship, is a bit of a twat, isn't he? He oh, total. Yeah, he he doesn't. He puts everything in jeopardy because of his pig-headedness. Mm. And you think, how did this person get to be in charge of this? Yeah. And Carruthers, he's shown the skull of one of his crew with a bullet yeah. hole in it, you know, <laughs> which he can't explain. It yeah. looks kind of like conclusive, doesn't it? They haven't heard of uh, contamination of evidence, have no. they? Because they, <laughs> they say this is going to be exhibit one in your court-martial. Um, and I do like the fact that the the, the They've cleaned the skull up, presumably. I, I don't know whether the monster licked it clean. Um, and the bullet hole is right in the top. So yeah. presumably they think Carruthers executed this man <laughs> while he was tying his shoelaces. <laughs> How else could he get injured like that? Dear, oh dear. Yeah. And, and you said there, you know, it, it, it's 50s sexism going on here. You know, oh, women. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they're just making the coffee and and presumably the food and do the washing and everything else. It's it's quite painful to watch. It's um it reminded me very much of Lost in Space, the TV show where mm. the mother would sort and of the do the washing. And, yeah, yeah, they, they were they were there purely because who else is going to do the cleaning? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Did you like that line that's just about here that one of the so-called scientists says of Mars is almost as big as Texas? Yes, you have. To, it was requisite, wasn't it, to have a, a character that will compare something to the size of Texas? Yes. <laughs> have you ever seen Rocket Ship XM? Yes. With yes. Lloyd Bridges. And again, there's a character in there and it's uh, Rockford's dad. And it's um, he's every compares everything to Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We don't do that over here. We don't say, oh, that's as big as the Isle of Wight or anything like yeah, that. That's as big as Bedfordshire. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very strange thing. And our yeah. Texans or Texicans, are they uh, are they obsessed with the size of things? I don't know. I don't know. Don't Any know Texans any. listening, uh, please yeah. uh, contribute. <laughs> yeah, write, write it in on a postcard. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we've got a three fingered hand moving around for no apparent reason. He's sort of yeah. like, like he's conducted an orchestra with an invisible baton. I think he's he's feeling for the scotch bottle. I think Ray, is, Ray is, is. is. Yeah, he's thinking, <laughs> I, I need a drink to get through this. And they just filmed him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not a great suit. It could have worked if it had all been in the shadows. Yeah. But he, yeah. And funny enough, I was, I was watching that scene where the hand's moving about. And that's when Anne... Uh, my wife came in and she took one look at him and went, oh, good God, and walked out. <laughs> so, yeah. Sensible it, lady. It's indicative of what's to come, isn't it? Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. Anyway, Kynholz hears something and he goes down to investigate. Uh, we get more feet and shadow and the guy is yep. killed off screen. Yeah. He, um, I was thinking about this because I'm going through my notes as, and I wrote them out in order and there was a lot of notes on this one. Um, and I thought... No one, no one other than Carruthers hears his scream. Then I thought, in space, no one can hear your scream. Oh, very good. Yes, very good. Thank you. That's just one <laughs> of the many alien, uh, alien similarities in this film. Yeah. So Carruthers, he thinks he hears something, and and they go yes. off to search for him. Gino, 
the most unscientist yeah, one of them yeah. all. He stops to lock, look in that locker for cigarettes. You yeah, know, he, want, and, he wants his fags, don't he? He's, yeah, and he's nabbed. If he hadn't gone for the cigarettes, yeah, the, be the, fine. the monster wouldn't have got him. Smoking can seriously damage your health. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Carruthers, uh, that, 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 that they've all got back together. They can't find Kineholtz anywhere. Carruthers well, stands it, by a... Sorry. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is weird. This is so... Carruthers thinks he's heard something, so then he he goes off and says, "Let's find uh, the the kind guy." Holtz, yeah. Kind Holtz, what a strange name. Mm. Um, and the captain again is like so dismissive of this. Oh, he's gone to bed. Oh, the fact that he's missing is nothing. Oh, the big <laughs> pool of blood could be anything. Uh, it's they obviously got they're writing it to you know in this way, but it's so unbelievable. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Carruthers, he stands by a grill. Yeah. Down, down plops an arm uh, on the other side of the is, grill. Is this the first time we've seen this? Because this, this is used in so many films, isn't it? Right up to like Jurassic Park, use everything, mm. where someone will lean against something and then a dead down body part will. Yeah. Could be. Could be the very first. Yeah. But they take the grill out and down plops the rest yeah. of Kineholtz. He, he, now, yeah. this is quite nice. He's, he's got dead white skin, and then he's got yeah, these he's, terrible black circles around his, his eyes. Yeah, the, the creature has turned him into a goth, hasn't it? <laughs> it's, that's what it does to you. Yeah, I, It was nice that they made effective. the effort. Yeah, yeah, it made the effort. I think because it's in black and white, I think, you know, maybe it wouldn't have looked so good if it was in colour. Yeah, it is quite creepy. And, and the, the, the hand falling down, is, that's, that's what I say, there's some really nice bits in this film, but it's like you've got to struggle through the tedium to get it. to get through it, yeah. yeah. Um, Eric goes into the air duct, and he finds Gino. He's alive, but he's got the white skin and black eyes, and then it attacks, and uh, Gino is left behind. Yeah, G- Gino looks like he he's got enough life left him, and he could have crawled out. Mm, he's yeah. given up at this point, and he he's 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 in the like huge air ducts as well. They are, they are. Yeah, sea view style huge air ducts. Yeah, I've never been on alien style air ducts. You yeah. know, just just enough for uh, um, yeah, you know, a human being to crawl through. I've I've worked in many cinemas with air ducts. There's yeah. no way that you can crawl through the air ducts in a cinema. No. I mean, we tried uh, it in one of them. You, did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, most, most, perhaps, perhaps uh, we're thinking uh, of British air ducts rather than Texas air ducts. Oh, maybe that. Oh, they might be. This bigger. ship was made in Texas, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Where air ducts are man size. Yeah. Now I love the next bit: the fact that they tie hand grenades, <laughs> World War Two hand grenades, to the grills. I, I, yeah. I was thinking about this, and I. I let it slip too easily that, that I was thinking, I was thinking, are they not worried that it would damage it? Now I thought, why the hell have they got hand grenades? But then they've got a bazooka on yes. this ship. Yes, um, and revolvers. And they're not, yeah, they're not worried at all about puncturing the hull, are they? No, not at all. It, it's hilarious. Yeah. Why, why take hand grenades to Mars? <laughs> you know? yeah. And don't you think this might be a bad idea, seeing as you're in space at the moment? Yeah, so they've, they've thought... We've only got a limited amount of room on this massive, great big spaceship that's far bigger than the external shots would suggest. We've only got a limited amount of room. We can only take a certain payload. Let's take packets of cigarettes, hand grenades, and bazookas. bazookas. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I'm thinking, was was this, is this a Texas ship? (laughs) I don't know. 
also at this moment we see its face for the first time and that's quite effective yes. the first time you see its face because it's in shadow yeah if they'd have kept it in shadow it, it wouldn't be so bad again here we go with another nod to alien same thing with the creature suit the alien suit in alien if you see stills of it it looks yeah. quite crude and it looks like what it is it's it's latex yeah. and and plastic piping onto a bodysuit you know but the way ridley scott and and everybody involved in the film lit that and photographed that you know it sold it and and it's exactly a, it's, it's a bit the quality like it here. of the director yeah um well i wrote down a little list of so far things that that reminded me of alien so you got people smoking on the ship yeah that's in alien you've got uh, a scene where uh people are supposedly speaking and it's using other clips and voiceovers that don't match that happens in alien at the dinner mm -hmm. table scene you've got the canteen everyone getting around the table canteen scenes very similar you've got the air ducts uh you've got a scene where the creature falls out of like an air duct and is struggling to get up that is so reminiscent of the final scene on the uh, uh on the narcissus where they use the steam purge and the alien falls out and that's the point you go oh it's a man in a suit yes and it it's uncanny. Yes. I can see yes. why people said this. I don't think it, I don't think Ridley Scott sat down and thought, mm, this is a good film, let's see what we can use on it. But I reckon he'd seen it. <laughs> and it was yeah, in well, his subconscious somewhere. A lot of people say it was Dan O'Bannon, because it's Dan O'Bannon who wrote the screenplay for Alien. Yeah. That, uh, and he was a big B-movie science fiction yeah. fan, and he has said you know, that he was a fan of the film. But I don't think so. We'll talk about this no. more in Behind the Scenes. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple other things that occur to me up to the point that we are in the film that are similar to alien in that you've you've got a ship that sets down on a planet and it takes yeah. off with an alien threat on board going unnoticed you know yeah it's so that's kind of similar as well yeah the basic story is very similar if you break it down but the, some of the visuals are very similar so i can i can see that dan o'bannon would might have seen this and when he was writing this script but the, some of the visuals are very similar but mm. I don't know. They may well have shown this while they were making it as a... You don't yeah. know. I, you know. Yeah. But uh, they hear it as it triggers the grenades as it comes out of yes. the hatch. And, and like you say, very, very much like the alien did in Alien. When it was forced out of its yeah. hidey hole on the Narcissus, it sort of like stumbles and quite, yeah. you know, awkwardly its falls out. Its legs get stuck. And yeah. this one does as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Now, I don't think anyone said, right, you know... Uh, I, we want the alien to come out of the Narcissus hidey hole, just like Ray Crash Corrigan did. It's a coincidence, but yeah, it I is think quite you're similar. Underestimating Ridley Scott, <laughs> I think. I think he was a big Ray Crash Corrigan fan, and he thought this will be my little homage. If that is the possibly. case, I'm, I, I'm glad they did it for just that bit, not what comes yeah. next, because the next bit there's a real am dram bit with hands up to face acting from Ray Crash Corrigan. Yeah, well, he's he, if you notice, he's adjusting his mask so that he can see out the eye holes. I had this he in behind it, the scenes. Yeah, yeah he yeah, does that. it a few times, and it, it's like, oh, he, I, I, I don't like to badmouth poor old Ray. I imagine this was a um, just a meal ticket for him, and but he's he's utterly terrible. He mm. puts no effort into appearing that you know. I should I move in a mysterious way? Should I move like an eight? No. Nope just gonna actually look like a man in a rubber suit yeah. struggling about a small set 
Well, yeah, as I say, in behind the scenes, yeah. um, I, I, I've got some information on that. Really? But yeah, there are a couple of times where he does this hand-to-head yeah. acting, uh, like he's got a headache or something, and it's not. He's pushing the mask back so, yeah. he, can see, so he can see. Poor poor man, you know. Yes. He's reduced to this. He had his own serial, for goodness sake. I'm watching all this. this. I, yeah, I was I, I was thinking, as I do with many of the films from this time, is do you think this was actually scary for an audience back then? Oh, do you know what? I don't know. I yeah. I I often think this, and I think it wouldn't it be great to time travel back with Alien and show a 1950s audience because if they thought this was scary, they would they would have heart attacks. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Was it because? A lot of these films were done for like drive-ins and things like that, weren't they? They were mm. they were bottom of the bill type things. I mean, I still find it amazing that, that there's actual accounts of people fainting while watching Lugosi's Dracula and things like that. So I don't know. Perhaps they perhaps they did. Perhaps this was scary. Perhaps we've just been desensitized. I think we have. I mean, you know, we've mentioned it a few times. You know, George Powell's War of the Worlds. When that came out here in the UK, it was an X certificate. Now it's a PG or a U, and they show it on yeah. Sunday mornings. You know, that's that's very true. Yeah, and like I say I've got some um, front of house stills from. Uh, Godzilla versus the sea monster and it's ex certificate <laughs> it's just bizarre it is bizarre anyway uh, they open the hatches and they go down to the level it is mm. on uh, the door to the compartment is all dented and they gingerly go through and it snatches a rifle yeah they... <laughs> I love the look on the man's face yes yeah. it's hilarious yeah and you know um, it st- tries squeezing through the door and I'm sure this is the door that that's still in the book is from when he's trying to get yes. through this door it's caught in the light and we can clearly see its face now we'll talk about this in behind the scenes about Ray Crash Corrigan's chin All yeah right. that's the star of the film that chin is isn't but it? I don't know looking at it on Blu-ray I mean it doesn't look like a chin it l- if, if it is his chin it oh, looks it? an yeah, awful lot like it's been painted with latex or something it has well he it's it's definitely his chin because if you if you see him out of it, he, it it's the dimple in his chin he's got he's very pronounced dimpled chin man um and it, I, I think they yeah i think they've painted it they've painted it red or covered it in red latex to make it look like a tongue but yeah it's it to me it looks like a chin it looks like his dimpled chin yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, they then try lobbing gas grenades at it now again yes. why have gas grenades on a rescue ship to mars well, they they sort of they mention this, don't they? They they say that um, uh, the 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 character that was after the cigarettes, what's his name, Gino? They say, oh, it's Gino's gas grenades. We all laughed when he said he would bring them, and it it would if we ever find dinosaurs on Mars, it would knock them out. Oh yeah, as yeah. if they just no no one. They, he said, can I bring my gas grenades? Yeah, whatever. Go on then. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, they put them somewhere safe, you know. Yeah, they they throw Gino's grenades down. They close the hatch, and when they open it again to check, it's there, and it claws, you know, the captain's boot. (laughs) Yes, Um, I love that. Now, didn't you think when you were watching this, they've just lobbed all these gas grenades down there? You know, the air in the ship would be recirculated, would it not? Yeah, well, they throughout the ship, taking the gas. We've just seen a quite big plot point. That there's huge whacking great air vents connecting yes. all the floors. <laughs> yeah, it's and also they throw the gas grenades down, they close the hatch, they leave it what thirty seconds and go, Okay, let's have a look. The gas is still gonna be there. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it didn't recirculate, it's still gonna be there. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're idiots, aren't they? These are these are not the cream of the cream, are they? They are not. They are not. So anyway, they they close the close the hatch. Uh, the autopsy shows that all the blood and water has been drained from Kineholtz's body in some sort of osmosis. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's dry, isn't he? He's dried out. Yeah, but when things go quiet, Anne and Carruthers they get a bit of a smooch. Um, and they come up with a plan to go out the airlock, move down to the mm. level below it, and then in through the airlock there. I, I, we have to backtrack a little bit to, to right. discuss the um, the rampant 1950s sexism. <laughs> the scene where Carruthers and um, uh, the lady scientist... Uh, I'm, ter- I'm terrible with names. I don't Anne. Know. It's your um, wife's name. You should be able to remember that. <laughs> I've got, luckily, I've got it written on my hand. Carruthers and your wife. I'll just say Carruthers oh, and your, okay. your wife. She's yeah. got better taste. <laughs> she wouldn't want him. Um, but... So they, it's heavily implied that the only reason she's a scientist because she had a, a, a dodgy romance and she she doesn't want another man, so became a scientist. And then it's heavily implied that she's only a scientist and she only remains a scientist because she hasn't met another nice man. It's horrendous. It's terrible, isn't it? It's yeah. just awful. Awful. <laughs> yeah. But But anyway, yeah, they've got this plan, and this is one of my favorite moments in the whole film because Carruthers and Calder get suited up in possibly the worst spacesuits I've ever they're, seen. They're lovely, aren't they? They're, they're, they're very um, very camp. They're very camp. Is that a firefighter's mask they're wearing? Uh, I, I, I think it, it's possibly something like that or a, some sort of protective mask. But it's, it's obviously been covered in, um, in satin material. Um, yeah. But again, the the, 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 the sleeve the donuts on the sleeve that was very everyone seemed to do that in the 1950s yes destination moon had it yeah like that didn't they yeah it it it, because the ship looks really good inside i think it's it's very 1950s but it looks quite good quite solid and then yeah you see these spacesuits and they're like oh dear 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 oh they are that they are poor but anyway the airlock the airlock opens and we get a rubbish shooting star to remind yes. us where we are. Yeah. Which, of course, wouldn't look like that. A shooting star looks like that when it's going through an atmosphere and burning up. It wouldn't have a trail yeah. like that. You know? That's your worry? <laughs> That's yeah. the scientific inaccuracy you're worried about in this film? <laughs> but in, in case you're not reminded that you're in space, yeah. we get that space music again. Yes. Uh, yeah, mm. the uh, the wibbly wobbly, uh, you're walking through space music. That's yeah. I, I it probably wasn't on a lot of films, but that's every time I think of a 1950s film in space, I hear that music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that they walk down the ship because of course yep. they're still going up. <laughs> yes, Earth yeah, they, is up. <laughs> yeah, Earth is above Mars. Yes, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could have been. Yeah, it's quite a clumsy sequence, isn't it? It go, again goes on for far too long. We didn't need to see them climbing out, no. walking down the ship, and climbing in. We we could have imagined it. I like the long shot. There's a long shot of them doing yeah. it, and that doesn't look but, too bad. No, that looks okay. But again, that I wrote it down in my book. That annoys me because that shows the scale of the ship, and it's mm. there's no way what we see <laughs> inside, inside could fit in fit it. In there, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless yeah. it's a TARDIS, it's. Yeah. Annoying. And, like it, it didn't need it. Yeah. 
And, you know, when you we, we see the close-ups of them walking down the hull of the ship, yeah. it reminds me of the Batman TV series yeah, when Batman definitely. and Robin would walk up the wall where the camera is just turned on its side. Yeah, it's when they get back in that, that, that it, it's pain, you know, it's painfully obvious that that's, you know, the camera's just turned on its side. Yeah. It, it's not, again... Uh, I, I mean, kudos for them for trying to do it. I suppose this is trouble is when you think about this film, there's not not much happens in it. No. So I suppose they've got to put these things in for, you know, padding. To, yeah, padding. So at least there's something for people to look at. Yeah, yeah. But they get they get in, they get in through the airlock, they get some welding equipment, and uh, yep. you, you cut to it doing stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something now which is really UK based and. Uh, um, sorry about that for everybody else. His acting now, the hands-to-the-mouth acting that he's doing, did he remind you of Bungle from Rainbow? Yeah, he did. In fact, Bungle would have been scarier, especially <laughs> Shark-Eye Bungle from later on. Or George. George, yeah. That would, I'd, actually, I'd pay to see that film <laughs> where, where George, Bungle and Zippy um, invade a spaceship. <laughs> Yeah, can we just say to everybody from outside the UK, uh, Rainbow was a children's show of the 1970s and Bungle was a man in a bear suit and uh, George was a, well, hippopotamus. uh, Pink hippopotamus. Pink hippopotamus with lots of hand-to-mouth acting and this is exactly what the alien is doing at this point. What what is, from the story point of view, what is the alien doing down there? He's spending a lot of time just shuffling about Mm. Is he? What is he doing? Looking in cupboards? I th- because because when he wants to smash through a hatch, yeah, he, he gets accomplishes it. it. Yeah. yeah. So what is he doing down there? Yeah, I know? I think he's he's looking he's looking for the booze cabinet. I think or the cigarettes or the cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Or they, perhaps he got the cigarettes. He's looking for a lighter. That's why he keeps going over to the guy <laughs> with the, the torch later on. Oh, he is that what it fag- is? He wants a light. Yeah. 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 Um, but. Um, Carruthers and Calder, they start to weld electrical cables to the metal staircase. Um, yeah, and a- anyone that's a welder or an electrician would have palpitations during that scene, wouldn't they? It's yeah. uh, not the best welding job in the world, guys. No, no, because they're going to electrocute it. Yeah. They're going to open the hatch, in- entice it down the stairs, and then yeah. electrocute it, you know? And and it's here in this room with all the bright lighting and all the business with the hatches and the air ducts and, and everything. This is really what reminds me of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. This could yeah. be part of the engine room on the sea view, couldn't it? it it's almost a blueprint for, for most Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea episodes, isn't it, this, this film? Mm. Um, it, like I say, even the look of it, the, the fact that the, the monster is a man in a rubber suit, the, the hatchways look similar, mm. the going up and down stairs, the hiding in the air ducts, uh, and then when, when they do try and electrocute the poor thing, um, it's the Sea View Sparks generator, isn't it? That's yeah, 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 yeah. That's doing it. But anyway, they electrocute him. It doesn't work, you know. Well, no, because he's wearing a latex suit. <laughs> yes, yeah. Calder's leg is broken as they're trying to leg it out of the out of the uh, place and into the airlock. But he's jammed down between machinery, and he can fend it off with the fire from his welding torch, as you say. Yeah. And luckily, goes back. Luck, I mean, well, actually, not luckily, unluckily, because his spacesuit is made out of the thinnest of satin material, <laughs> it, it gets shredded, doesn't it? Yes, Bless him. yeah. He, could, he couldn't escape anyway. He's not airtight no. anymore. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, and the next problem they've got is that they need more blood to fend off the infection that the captain and Eric have got as they've been yeah, this... you know, scratched by the creature. 
this could have been an interesting little subplot, couldn't it? But it's sort of so thrown away that the the, the creature, when it wounds you, you start getting a, a bacterial infection that's similar to leukemia, and it's breaking. Yes. This could have been really interesting. Yeah, but, but they no. don't. But no, but no. no. Um, Colder down there, you know, with his broken leg, he he tells them that it's gone into the reactor room. Yeah. So so Carruthers up upstairs shuts the door and they go down. But then the captain, idiot that he is, yeah, um, decides to unshield the reactor to kill it with radiation. Yeah, it's, he chooses this exact moment when they want it want to be quiet so yeah. that it doesn't yeah. come out of the. I don't, again, don't know what it's doing in the radiation room because when we see it in the next shot, it's just an empty room with a tube in it. Yeah, and he's what carrying he... Gino as well, isn't yeah. he? What when he, he goes into the reactor room. Yeah. Um, but we get terrible mask acting again. But what I do like yeah. in this in, in this one shot, because you've got the bright light of the reactor core, you see Ray Crash Corrigan's eye, you know, yeah. and and um you know, Dave on um, when we did the Predator episode, he was saying if you can see a, a real eye, it it sells it more, and it's true yeah. here. But originally, this mask was meant to have like uh, lenses, insect eye lenses. But Ray Crash Corrigan didn't want to wear them because he could barely see out of them. So you were never actually meant to have seen his eye. Yeah. (laughs) So, so what we're saying is all the the good stuff in this film is accidental. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Bob gets colder, but um, the the creature breaks out, kills Bob. Calder goes back to his space, and uh, Eric and Carruthers they escape with the blood. Yeah, they, there's there's a classic line that every time they said it, I said I, I turned around and said about because I don't know. There's a film called What About Bob, with yes. Bill Murray <laughs> that I quite like, and uh, yeah, they shout out What about about Bob? <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing that I thought of here, you never see anyone sh- closing the reactor, right? No, and he well, he's presumably ri- just left open. Yeah, he's ripped the reactor door open yeah. so not only have you got this poisonous gas going all the way through the ship you've now got lethal radiation going all the well, way through but the this ship. is 1950s radiation where if you turned a corner you're all right yeah it's duck and dive isn't it yeah yeah but you know <laughs> put a sheet over your head you're all right yeah so they all go to the top level because they don't seem to be able to stop the creature creature yeah. and then they break out you know the rocket launcher well they they go to the top and they barricade the hatch they, with they weigh a it down, small don't they? Filing cabinet that they remove <laughs> from the wall and balance it precariously on the dome of the hatch. <laughs> as soon as anyone puts any pressure on that, it's going to fall off. But but they linger on that shot. It's like no, guys, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it starts coming up the levels towards them. It does. Yeah. Um, as Carruthers realizes, the oxygen consumption is way up, and it must I, be yeah, the creature that's doing it. I don't think their it. logic is correct here. Right. Because they say um, they they sort of they show a little bit of working out, so they're using a bit of deductive logic. So yeah. so they say the oxygen uh, usage has gone up by forty percent. Now the creature it comes from Mars, which has very little very oxygen, thin air, yeah. very so he doesn't air. need much. Yeah, so they say he must he must have lungs that process air much in much smaller quantities. So why is it shown such a big? Why is he suddenly breathing more in? Yes. But, I mean, he doesn't need it. He can get by no. with barely anything. So he yeah, can't... why is he clugging that air down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they can, um, we get the rocket launcher fired next, don't we? Yes, they fire the, a bazooka with very little. 
Did you notice there's Damage. nothing in the bazooka? When you look at the bazooka, it's a hollow tube. You can see the light yep. at the other end. There is no, there, there, there's nothing in it. Well, perhaps we're 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 being a bit harsh here. It might be a space bazooka. So, what with glass shells, yeah. and you can see right yeah. through them. Well, maybe well, you never know, do you? Because we we don't know what a space bazooka is, so it might be exactly that. That might be an accurate representation. Of it a space be. bazooka. It could be. But it doesn't affect him. He's smashed no. his way through. The filing cabinet's gone. The bazooka doesn't work. He's half out coming yep. towards him. And that's when they decide to let out all the air. Yeah. Yeah, they think that gas... He hasn't breathed in the gas and it hasn't done any harm. Hmm. Which, fair enough, I suppose. You know, he's an alien. They didn't even bother work, trying to find out what gas was in it. I mean, what did Gino put in there? It could have been anything, couldn't it? <laughs> Laughing gas could have been anything. Um, could have been oxygen. Could have been yeah, just pure oxygen. That's <laughs> that's why. Well, you know, it's just it's silly. Um, but yeah, so they decide to open the hatches and and suffocate it. Yeah. Now that you could say that's a nod to Alien as well, um, but of course in Alien yeah, it's it, it, it's explosive yeah. decompression which sucks the alien out. The alien doesn't need air. You see at the no, end, and you see. It's, it's quite happy outside the ship, isn't it? It's oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and same with the Queen Alien when she's blasted out of Salako, she's yeah. still screaming as she's going. It doesn't need air. No, no, no. So yeah, you open a hatch and it lets out all the air, but that's that that's pretty much all the similarity is there. But yeah. uh, it dies and it dies horribly, uh, which I mean by yeah. its horrible well, acting. Yeah. What I don't understand as well is where does all the torn up newspaper come from? <laughs> what, what, they took newspapers on a six-month journey to Mars. It could be toilet paper. Well, it's actually well, you can read it. It's just torn up newsprint. Oh, really? oh I didn't yeah, notice. It, oh, okay. It's just it, it's like what? <laughs> Blimey. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's uh, him dispatched, and we get a press conference yep. uh, held later on Earth, revealing the details of what's happened aboard it. Uh, and the project director emphasizes that Earth may now be forced to bypass the red planet because yeah. another word for Mars is death. Death. Yeah. Again, this preoccupation. I didn't with know that. Death. Did you know another word for Mars is death? I've never seen that in a dictionary. No, no. Um, but then I wouldn't trust that project commander to tell me the time, to be honest. He was a mm. bit. I mean, he's already he's always blabbed before any evidence that they're going to court Marshall Carruthers, yes, and then the next true. day has to gather all the news people back and say, "Actually, guys, yeah, it, it was is space quite monster. It's quite a sweet film. In you know, it's very naive and it's very yeah. simple, isn't it? You know, it is. Yeah, I um, I mean, we we've probably we've probably given the impression that we hate the film. I really rather like it as a film. Mm. It's it's too long. It's too well. It's not too long. It's quite short. But it's too little happens in it. Like you yeah. say, it make a great episode of something, a forty-five minute episode of something. But I do, I, yeah, I, it, it has something. Yeah. And whether it's just because it's so bad, it's good. But at least they're trying. Yeah, I think it's one of those films, very much like the Green Slime, in that it, it looks great in a black and white photo but you, yeah. not so much to watch it, you know, in still form and a design form, you know, it looks really good, but yeah. Yeah. It's well, I mean, this is how many, we've said this before on like Blake seven and things like that, that these, these creatures look great still, but as soon as they move, yeah, that's when it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. and it, I mean, it happens on Doctor Who all the time. You look at something 
then you go oh that's a good look oh it's moving it's terrible uh, mm. you know the murka shall we say um yeah it, yeah when it stood still you go okay that's a big creature oh it's a pantomime horse <laughs> um, yeah i don't it, this could have worked really well had they filmed it dark and dingy yes you know so you don't actually if they'd hired um you know ridley scar <laughs> they might have got away with it who directed this i don't know who directed this was oh, it I did he get did he do I, anything? I didn't. Went I didn't on to direct traffic, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll go on to behind the scenes, and um, yeah, right. Behind the scenes, the the, the creature was designed by uh, a, a brilliant guy by the name of Paul yeah. Blaisdell, who we'll we will be talking about later on in the year. Um, now, film law has it, and I get a lot of this information from a guy by the name of Bob Burns. Okay who was a friend of Paul Blaisdell's. Um, yeah. And um, he um, has a book which, Ian, if you haven't got it, you should get it. And anybody who's into, you know, uh, makeup designs and outfits from 50s B-movies, it's called It Came From Bob's Basement, okay? Because he's right. a bit like a um, Forrest J. Ackerman in that he, he's a yeah. collector of props and costumes and he's got tons of stuff and he worked with Paul Blaisdell you know through the 50s and 60s and he has backed up what you know film legend says in that Paul Blaisdell sculpted the suit okay and he sculpted the suit with the intention that it would be him inside the costume because Paul Blaisdell when he made a creature for say It Conquered the World or the She Creature it was actually Paul Blaisdell inside yeah, it be- yeah. because it was cheaper that way he, th- 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 this is yeah. like the AIP films um, you, you know and, and presumably the as, to- the, yeah, as the maker he knows the limitations what to do to not damage it yeah I don't I don't think it was that, that sensible I think it was just cheaper to hire a guy to oh, make I- it and perform in it because then you don't have to pay anybody to go yeah. in it you see well, did, so I mean did I think I can't. I mean, my memory is terrible. Would Bob Burns and presumably uh, Paul as well, and some of the others, didn't they start out as uh, monkey suit actors? In that, because right. there was a thing back then where you would hire the monkey suit with the performer. Yes, Bob Burns. As a, as a yes, package. Bob Burns. Um, yes, um, did an awful lot of gorilla suit work. Yeah, as did Ray Crash Corrigan. Okay. It sort of make you can you can see a, a sensible thread coming through this, can't you? Yes, you can. So anyway, yeah, Paul Blaisdell, he made he took on the gig, he made the costume with the yep. full intention of he would be uh, be performing as the creature, yep. and then he was surprised to be told that he it wouldn't be happening, and that Ray Crash Corrigan would be playing the alien. Okay, yep. things got even more problematical when Ray decided he wouldn't go to Paul Blaisdell's for a fitting. Okay. Uh, for the new redone outfit and he apparently Bob Byrne said he just sent a pair of his long johns so Paul could work out his dimensions from a pair of his long johns shame that long johns don't include your chin measurements (laughs) yes yes so 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 what he should have sent is a pair of long johns and a balaclava yes indeed so so yeah he never had a fitting so you know when Paul turns up with the suit it didn't fit Ray Crash Corrigan at all. He apparently he, he could just about get the suit on, but when he tried putting the mask on, it didn't fit yeah. at all. Okay, 
Um, now, a lot of people say, oh, he could put it on, but his chin stuck out through yeah. the mouth and they painted his chin to look like a tongue. It, it was more complicated than that. I'll put it up on Facebook because in Bob Burns' book, you've got two versions of the alien mask. The original yeah. one that Paul Blaisdell did when he was going to wear it and then a, a much more cut-down version, which is the one that we end up seeing. And when you see the two side by side, the original was much more elaborate. It's got much more yeah. in the way of fins and things going on at the side and at the top. But all of that had to be cut off. Yeah, because it's quite... When you actually... I mean, you, you see the mask in its fully lit glory a lot in the film. And it's... It's not a... It, it's not a complicated sort of design, is it? It's... No. It's not very alien. No, no. It, it's a man in a suit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a man in a suit. But it was the the film's makeup artist, Lane Britton. He was the one who suggested, well, hang on. You, you know, when they're all there going, what are we going to do? We can see his chin. He was the one who said, well, let's paint it and make it look like a tongue. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, I've, oh, I've got the director's name here in my notes. Uh, Eddie Kahn. Okay. Yeah, all right. Um, Khan! <laughs> That's what a lot of people thought yeah. after they saw this film. Yeah. Um, uh, Corrigan played the alien as if he was doing one of his gorilla in a, gorilla in a suit roles. Yeah, he does. Yeah, there was a very simian gait to his moving about, isn't there? Yeah, Eddie Khan urged him not to, but he, yeah, he insisted on doing it that way. He also hated wearing the mask, and he would plead to do the scenes without it. And apparently, I never spotted it, but one of the shadow on the wall scenes that you get there you can see Corrigan's very human profile rather than the alien's profile I'll have to go back and check that I probably slept through that bit yeah and and as you say you you know many times he puts his hands up to his face it's not you know because he's struggling with anything well he is he's struggling with the fact that he can't see out the mask yeah it's um, when you notice it Hmm. you'll notice it endlessly he does it quite a few times because I said to Anne about it uh, when we were watching it that uh, watch watch that and I explained what it was and then yeah luckily it happens quite a bit yeah yeah all right so so that that's that now talking about the alien connection Dan O'Bannon he he went on record saying that he liked the film but it never influenced his writing of Alien okay I well I don't think he, I don't think he can claim that can he well he can claim it but you can't. No. I mean, I, I know I've written things that I've read back several years later and you go, oh, my God, that's from such and such. Mm. I think, yeah, yeah. I think even, even if it was subconsciously, I think it's influenced him. I think if it is, it's a two part thing because, you know, his initial idea of Alien stemmed from the fact that when he saw the final version of Dark Star, which he wrote. He was never yeah. happy with the alien in Dark Star. Um, and he wanted to do Dark Star as a horror film. Okay, so he started yeah. writing a script for that. And he had the opening of a, a small crew on a spaceship, much like this, being woken up to go down to a planet to check out a signal. But he had no idea what the threat was. But it was his friend and producer, Ron Shusett. Yeah, that gave him the first act of the monster getting on board before they take off. Now maybe it's Ron Shusat that actually remembered this film. Yeah, you know. But once the ship took back off, they di- then didn't know what to do with the story. And again, it was Ron Shusat that reminded Dan O'Bannon that Dan O'Bannon had written a script that he had already written set in World War Two, where a bomber crew were coming back from a bombing raid, 
and are troubled by gremlins yeah. that were that were on the ship, and they were at the tail gunner's uh, uh, position, and they were slowly working their way up the the bomber towards the cockpit where the crew were, and they were trying to stop it, and it was it gradually inching their way towards them, which is very similar to the premise of this film. So I don't know, I don't know. It's very similar to the premise of snakes on a plane as well. There's that as well, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I think, yeah, I don't think they sat down and went, what can we copy? But I do think there's far too many similarities for it not to at least have been a subconscious mm. influence. I think it's wrong because... You probably, I mean, probably that sci-fi book you were on about. I certainly know I've read sci-fi books when I was younger, where it says um, uh, Alien was copied from uh, it, the Terror Beyond Space with visuals from Mario Bava's Planet of the Vampires, yeah, yeah. and it's like, no, it, it's not that simple. No. You know, it's it, that's disingenuous to anyone that's involved in either uh, Alien or the other films, and uh, yeah, I think it's more complicated than that. But I do think. If you jot down the similarities in this film, it's either a monumental coincidence or, like I say, subconsciously, I think possibly they did, they were, did have, you know, images of this as they were writing it. And it might say it might be um, Shuset that is more than Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. Um, But but I know. I think. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm also thinking now, I'm trying to think of other films before Alien where you had an alien on a spaceship, an, an, a, 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 an alien menace on a spaceship. Yeah. Can you think of any other instances? No, I I mean, there's... There's... I'm trying to think of any. I can't think of any where, that, where the alien would be the... The, the main storyline. I mean, like you say, lots and lots of episodes of like Voice of Botmacy, et cetera, were, were this exact story, but yes, and that would have been before there was a, um, a 1970s TV movie with William Shatner, where uh, a, a ghost or demon is on a plane, which is sort of similar story in that, mm. that it's, you know, it's taken over the plane bit, but it sounds more like their gremlin story. Um, but yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't think of think anything. Of, it yeah. never happened on the Enterprise where you actually had a no. threat. I mean, of course, that, the Enterprise had air ducts that were conveniently yeah. human-sized as well. But I don't. I can't remember any story where you had an alien on board and it was using the air ducts or. You know, no, I mean you had a. The, there was this. the cloud, the cloud creature that mm. sucked your uh, blood out that that went through air ducts and that and it. Mm. There's a lovely scene where it's coming through into Spock's quarters and he tries to cover a four-foot air duct with his hands. Not very logical. <laughs> um, there was the salt vampire one where the... the but that's yeah. more... Uh, Star Trek used, didn't usually used to rely on a, uh, an unintelligent creature, did it? It was, no. It was normally the creature was an intelligent and there was a plan behind it. Yeah, so I think it's more like Voice of the Sea used to seem to do yeah. it a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Th- I mean, Lost in Space no. never had air ducts. No, um, I'll have to have a think about it. Well, and if yeah. I can, a- anything, I'll, I'll look through my science fiction books um, yeah. that you don't have, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll post them up on Facebook if I can think of any. All right, we're almost at the end then, Ian. So, rating out of you. Um, much as I enjoy this film, I, this, I mean, other than the actual 
hatch designs for the ship everything else is is just a little bit below par so i'm gonna go with for me quite a low three. Oh blimey that, that that's lower yeah. than i thought you were gonna do yeah i i don't because I, I normally we look at one particular special effect sequence, and I think there's there's a few special effect sequences in this that would be quite higher rated. Mm. But as an overall, I think, and it, this is more probably more to do with the direction than anything else. I just don't think it works as a. Like right. I say, I can't imagine anyone being scared by it. Right, right. I mean, I I, I like the suit, mm. even though you know there, there were complications and that. But it. I don't acted. think it's a particularly good suit myself. No, I like yeah. it. I, yeah. I like it. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Um, yeah. but the acting's terrible. Um, and the model yeah. work is is standard. Um, so because of all that, I, I was going to give it a five. Oh. Okay, which which, which means yeah. average. So that gives it an av- an average of us from of a four out of ten. Yeah, okay. which I think that's fair. That's fair, I think. I think this is the lowest rating you've ever given. I think this is even yeah. lower than um, uh, the Green Death, the Doctor Who tale yeah. you did. But I think, see, I, 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 I look at it not so much on a technical aspect, but does it work for the mm. scene it's in? And the, the Doctor Who one, although it, it is ropey, it works for the scenes it's in. Mm. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. doesn't. I think, like I say, the, the monster suit in this, I think some shots, it looks like, Ray Crash Corrigan is possibly wearing that pair of dirty long johns that he sent to <laughs> Paul Blade still. Um, he, he, his acting lets it down big time. Yes, yes. It, it's, you know, I like the bloke. I liked him in Undersea Kingdom. I thought he was very, you know, hilarious in that. But the, yeah, this is, he's not interested, is he? No. no. He, I, did he have a drink problem at this time? I might be maligning in the pub, fella. But... Apparently he did, but yeah. Bob Burns yeah. said that on set he he he, he, he was a joy. He, you know, oh, right. he, he's not like you know some of the actors. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't mind it. So yeah, we'll stick with that. All right. Yeah, I think fourth fair. I think that's yeah. four. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for today, Ian. No, it's been a joy as ever. Okay, and uh, next time we're having you back, um, something a bit more um, uh, uh, up your proverbial, okay? Oh, very good. (laughs) All right, thanks anybody out there. Go to Facebook, and uh, yeah, I've got a ton of pictures to put up for this, so see you all next time. Bye-bye.